Hey, what's going on, champs? I'm Erin Deliosa. Welcome to an Immigrant's Life podcast, my podcast about immigrants and immigration and everything in between. Thank you for listening and downloading the show, and thank you for supporting my dad. Welcome back, Immigrant Nation. Another week, another new episode. As always, thank you for being here wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast. I really appreciate you and the time that you spend time with me. If you want to listen to some of the previous episode of An Immigrant's Life, it's available wherever you get your podcast, even on YouTube. So please go ahead and subscribe. And after subscribing, I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review and give it a five-star rating, as that helps me share these incredible stories of these extraordinary individuals with more listeners. And if you want more An Immigrant's Life content, check our social media accounts. My handle is at An Immigrant's Life. You can also contact me there or you can send me an email at animmigrantslife at yahoo.com as well. If you got something to say or you just want to have a chat, hit me up. I'd love to hear from you. And that's the biz. Now, let's talk about the episode. Yo. Let me just say that this episode has the most intense story I've ever heard on this podcast. And I'm really grateful that our guest was so generous to share this story to us. That just shows you how incredible and how inspiring she is and how driven she is. And I'm pretty sure you're going to love her story. So let's get to the point. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Isa, dalawa, tatlo. Today's guest is an artist and founder of ASAAT Crafts. She's a beautiful soul trying to live life one stitch at a time. Everyone, please welcome Victoria Fees M.A. Aha. How are you doing today? I'm good, good. A little bit tired because the evening, but Mm -hmm. I'm good. Excited to be doing this. Thank you you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks for contacting me. Of course, and only cool people. (laughs) Yes, only cool people. Yeah, like literally, like I only, if I don't like you, if you reach out and I don't feel the vibe, I'm like, I'm good, Holmes. Yeah. You know? I love, like, I don't know, everything about you, you know, like your persona, your Instagram account is just out of this world. Thanks. And then you're, actually, before I say something else, why don't you tell the immigrant nation where they can reach you if you want to promote anything? Okay. Um, well, for sure, check out my um, crochet page. It's hmm. my business page where I post um, all the clothing that I custom make. Um, also my artistic collaborations with other like designers and artists, photographers, models. Um, so that page is A-S-A-A-T dot craft with an S at the end. So that's C-R-A-F-T-S. And I pronounce it ASAT, but it is mm. A-S-A-A-T. It means a stitch at a time. Mm. And on there, there's the link to my website, to my personal page different ways to contact me for custom orders. Mm, I, I, I love that page, man. The things that ah, you make, you. <laughs> I'm like, how did she make that? Because when I was younger, I used to do crochet. Because mm-hmm. in the Philippines, they will teach you everything. Like they'll crochet, mm-hmm. they'll teach you how to stitch clothing, whatever else, right? So mm-hmm. I know a little bit, well, back then, but you make like incredible stuff. Thank you. I don't know. Um, even me sometimes, like, I'll make something and then someone orders it so I have to re- remake it. And I'm like, I have no idea how I did this at all. <laughs> so in a way, two pieces will never, ever be the same because even if I'm recreating something, I'm essentially copying my work as if I didn't make it. So I'm like, how do I do this? And I end up doing something similar that looks the same, but mm-hmm. that's not exactly yeah. I have no idea. It kind of flows. I'm very addicted to crocheting. So I just visualize it in my head. Do it, I guess. How did you get into it? Um, 
Well, there's a long version and a short version, but I'll give you the long version since we have a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom had a knitting kit when we were when I was a kid and we lived in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And one day I wanted to learn, so I learned. I think she had a book also, and I learned how to knit a scarf. And it was like a rectangle, the most basic thing. Mm-hmm. And I used to do it a lot while watching TV. <laughs> my mom was like can't be watching tv with everything you do like either you're watching tv you're doing this so i kind of stopped for a while and then when i moved back here i was dating a person who i told the story to and they got me well he got me a knitting kit hmm. one time i think it was my birthday or something that was like two years ago and it was a really nice gift because it got me back into knitting and then i moved on to crocheting and i realized i have more freedom personally to create when I crocheted and when I knit hmm. maybe it's because I understand crocheting more or like that's how my brain works but I can do so many <laughs> more things so I kind of stopped knitting now I haven't knitted in probably over a year but I still crochet mm. what's the difference between the two um, knitting is with the two long sticks mm-hmm. so you're using both sticks and then Um, there's different ways to crochet, but the most known way is like you transfer the yarn from one stick to the other, mm. and then it builds your project and length. Um, crocheting is with one hook. It's with a crochet hook, literally. And then there's different sizes. And you're essentially only using that hook to pass the yarn through itself and then mm. build a chain. That's what I did. That's what I did, the crocheting. Did, the crocheting. I didn't do the two sticks. Okay. I remember I, you, I actually enjoyed it. We used to make like, yo, super basic, you know, like um, what are call those, those uh, um, coasters for the oh, drinks. Oh, yes. <laughs> I made coasters too. It was one of the first things that I made because it's easy to square, right? Yeah. Hey, listen, we're making Honda Civic over here. You're making <laughs> Ferrari. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, you know, it starts with the square. That's what I started too. <laughs> oh, you were square. Mine was circle. Oh, it starts okay. with circle and then goes big and big. I think that's the biggest thing I've ever made. After that, we had to move on to something else. Oh, okay. Well, um, the square is a little bit harder because you have to count, so you can add at every same number of stitches so that it increases into the square. I don't know if I'm explaining properly, but... Hey, listen, young lady, I'm not that smart, okay? So don't start <laughs> math. I know I'm Asian, but not all Asian are good in math, okay? I'm one well, of those. I'm not even good at math, though, but for some reason, counting and crochet makes more sense to me. I wasn't that great at math. Yeah, but no, that's not true. Because I am actually good in math, but in a different <laughs> kind of math. Not okay. like algebra or trigonometric, bro. Bye. Mm-hmm. I got things to do, you know. <laughs> But if it's like I don't know, like if it's a logic math in a sense that mm-hmm. like I don't know, dude, like like statistics, I'm good at that. Okay. But if it's like algebra, bro, if somebody okay. put a gun against the head of my, one of my <laughs> family members, I'm like, I love you, but it's time to go. Uh, I kind of liked algebra though; it was fun. And you said you're not good in math. <laughs> no, it's not because I was good at it that I liked it. I just liked it because it was challenging, you know, mm. and it took focus. And it was one of the things that I sometimes enjoyed being challenged at in school because a lot of the time I was bored, didn't want to be there. You didn't like school? This to the not really. I mean, I like being at school as a social butterfly. Like I had friends, I talked to people. Um, But inside the classroom, I did not enjoy it very much. Unless like I was talking to people, but I got in trouble for that a lot, for talking too much in class or sleeping too much in class or eating in class, which are just basic needs. I don't understand school. Yeah. You know, it's funny. One of my, my kids are allowed to eat at, in the class now. Oh, really? Yeah. Anytime they want to eat, they can eat. I feel like it's better this way. What if I'm hungry? I literally have to wait the assigned time to have my snack. Yeah, but because, you know, that's the old ways. They want to control you. Yeah. Now they have more freedom, you know? I never understood why I couldn't eat in class. Because if I was dirtying everywhere, but I can clean it up after, like, 
what? What is the issue? I don't know. That's good. I feel like the new ways are starting to yeah. be better, I guess. Improvement. It's, um, yeah, it's getting better. You mentioned that you moved here in Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. How old were you when you moved here? I moved here in 2018. 18? Yeah. So I'd say four years ago. Is that what it is? Yeah. Again, math. Yeah. <laughs> October 2018. So I was 19 years old. So you live in Haiti the whole time? I lived in Haiti my whole childhood. Like from after being born to 18 years old. I finished high school there. Mm. Everything. But your English is impeccable. Really? Thank you. Because I have I have Haitian friends and you know they do speak English, but your is you like you were born here. I guess um, I was surrounded by a lot of people who spoke English. Mm. I went to a dance school where a lot of people spoke English. My parents speak English. We traveled a lot to the states. I watched TV in English. Mm. I would say they have English classes at school, but a lot of my classmates had a hard time like bettering their English mm. within those classes. So I wouldn't credit that as much as all the other things, but for sure also took English classes at school. Mm. I had some good teachers, taught us vocabulary. Oh yeah. I forgot already. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought you don't like school. I mean, English classes, I had that one English class that was pretty fun. Like, we sang songs and joked around with the teacher. And okay. at that point, I already knew how to speak English, so I, it wasn't much work. Mm. So you travel a lot. So it means you're doing well in 80. Um, you mean when I was younger, growing up? Like your family, they're, you know, they're not... Yeah. No, um, we were okay, for sure. Um, my parents worked a lot especially my mom she works a lot she worked really hard um she's an architect mm. so she for sure always did her best to make sure that we were comfortable um mm. we didn't tra- i wouldn't say we traveled a lot it was mostly like we visited family in the states when my grandma was alive we visited her a few mm. times i would say like maybe once a year very spaced out you know And mm. then we went to the Dominican Republic a few times. We'd go to resorts. That was really fun. Yeah, the young lady, there's not a lot of people in the world that can travel like that. That's true. I was very, very lucky. Like, I had a great childhood. You mentioned you went to uh, dance school. I saw that you're a ballerina. Ish. <laughs> It was a mo- mo- mainly a ballet dance school. Mm. And I feel like ballet is the base of everything. Once you know ballet, you can do everything else. Yeah, I wouldn't say. Toe. Yeah. Oh my God. The point shoes. Yeah. But I wouldn't say I'm like super great at ballet, but mm. it was definitely fun and it taught me a lot. Even right now, and the way I stand and the way I sit, the way I walk, mm. ballet is very present. Like it teaches you posture. Yeah, like Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. How long did you take ballet? Um, my mom put me in dance school, I think, when I was three. But the first dance school wasn't mainly ballet. And then I changed dance schools when I was six. And that was um, IDDLWR. That's the name of the school. Institut de Danse Lene Williams Cousier. And... Shout out to them for <laughs> teaching me ballet. <laughs> Because when I came, I wasn't super advanced at ballet. They really pushed mm. me. I stayed till I was, I think, 17. And then I went to school too much. I couldn't do ballet anymore. What? I didn't have time. Oh. Well, I went to a Haitian school, but um, I wanted to get the French um, high school diploma, the French baccalaureate. So at my school, that's an option, but you still have to keep doing the Haitian baccalaureate. So if I wanted to get the French diploma, I had to also get the Haitian diploma. So it was like I was going to two high schools at the same time at my school. So um, the year before my last, I was going, well, for three years, I did that. My last three years of high school. The first year, I stayed in school till six every evening. Um, the second year, 
I stayed in school till six or seven every evening. So from 7.45 a.m. to 7, 6 p.m. And then on Saturdays, I would have school from like 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then my last year of high school, I had school every day. Um, Monday, not Sundays, but Monday to Saturday. Saturday mm. was 7 a.m. to 2. And mm. then sometimes it was a Christian school, a Catholic school. So sometimes we'd have church on Sundays. So imagine after your whole week and then it's Saturday. And then the one day you can sleep and it's Sunday. But no, you have to put on your uniform to go to mandatory church at school. 7 a.m. on a Sunday. And then the next day is Monday. <laughs> that is a schedule and a half. I hated it. I hated <laughs> it so much. <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. Oh I went to Catholic school too in oh. high school. And yo. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. Are you Catholic now? Yeah, in paper, yes. In paper. I'm oh, Catholic. Well, same. Like you were baptized and everything. Yeah, I have the passport. So just in case it's real. <laughs> I'm going to heaven. You're going to heaven. You flash the paper at the door. You know what I mean? I don't know what the papers are, by the way. But I can say, oh, by the way, you know, if you check the record, it. you know, I got it. I'm complete, you know? Did you do like a, the confirmation? That's like the last step, I think, to affirm your... Yes, but we did confirmation early. We did confirmation early. I, How like, old? Why are you asking me? I'm an old man. I don't remember. <laughs> Forever ago. Like, okay, so it's the baptism, right? The first one. And then uh -huh. you get first communion. First communion. And then uh, uh, confirmation. Yeah. You know what? I think I'm lying. I think I haven't done confirmation. I probably did. No. Maybe. I probably have. Because if you were in high school, that's about the time where they do confirmation. I think at my school, it was. The year before my senior year. What mm. do you call that? Pre-senior year. Junior. Junior year, exactly. Mm. It was my junior year, I guess. And most of the class was doing confirmation, mm. except a few kids. And most of them were not Catholic, and that's why they weren't doing it. So I was kind of one of the black sheeps for not doing it. Not great, in a good way. <laughs> she was like, why isn't she doing her confirmation? She's Catholic, she has no reason not to. <laughs> but I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do me anyway. Yeah. I remember I heard that if you were like going to a public school, that you had to go to like Sunday Sunday school. But if to to do the, conf not confirmation, the, you know, the, what do you call this? First communion. The first communion. Thank you. The first communion. But if you go to school, to the private school, because it's a Catholic school, you don't have to do that. I'm like, yo, I like that. I don't want to. I don't want to do nah. Sunday school, you know. Oh yeah, that sucks. Your teachers were they nuns or priests? Um, there were no priests as mm. teachers, um, but the, some were nuns, and mm. then uh, most of them were, um, like, how do I say, civil people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because and when I was in primary school, because I was at the same school from primary school all the way to high school. Mm. Um, in primary school, it was mostly nuns. Mm. Um, and then in high school, there were a lot more diverse teachers. We didn't have any male teachers in primary school. We only started having them in high school. So stuff like that. Mm. How much did you get hit by those nuns? I didn't get hit at all, ever. <laughs> I am so grateful for this, but I will not say that they, I've never seen a t teacher hit someone. Like I remember I was in um, which mm. I don't know what's the equivalent here, but let's say I was, I think 11, 12 years old. Mm. And there was this teacher who like grabbed this kid by the color mm. and like pulled her so hard that she like, um, scratched her skin with her oh. fingernail and we could see visibly where her skin was lifted off mm -hmm. off and we're like what the fuck how are teachers allowed to do this there was this other teacher who had a ruler and then would like hit the kids on the hands but she only did it to certain kids so i guess she had like that relationship with their parents where she felt comfortable mm. disciplining them like that but 
I never really got hit at school. I don't know what my mom would have done if I got hit at school. Depends on the reason, I guess. She would have burned the school. I don't. I don't know. Like, I feel like if she felt that I deserved it, she would laugh and be like, "What the fuck? They can't do that," but still not do anything. But if she <laughs> felt that it was wrong, wrong, she'd be. She'd probably go down there. And Definitely, talk to someone. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you. So you didn't get hit when you were young. No, did well, not at school. Did you get hit at school? Uh, did I get hit in school? No, actually not. I was a smart ass, but I didn't get hit. <laughs> but one time a teacher pinched my ear and it, it was it, she drew blood. Oh. Yeah, but I was being an asshole. Oh. <laughs> so but I, I got pinched. Like they used to pinch us. On the side? I guess. Under your thighs? Yeah, like, like no, on your, your arm. arms okay. or like... Mostly on the arms. I only remember being pinched on the arm. Mm, yeah, I never got hit. But yeah, yo, growing up, the kids were, they got hit, man. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I used to have a teacher. She was a national baseball player cha uh, champion. Mm -hmm. And she was hitting kids, man. She was hitting my classmate, oh, dude. God. She will make them bend over and just like, wow, wow. Stop. <laughs> I'm not Nobody joking. ever said anything. I can't. Uh, I think he, I think this kid, one of the kids went to their parents and said, yo, I got hit. So I think they have a conversation. But I know for a fact in my head, like, this is not right. And if I get hit, I know I'm calling my dad. Yeah. And, and someone's going to die. Yeah. It's not going to be my dad for sure. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? Did they wash out your mouth with soap? That. No. You? one time no not me ever but i've seen it one time i was like in first grade and there was this kid i don't know i don't remember why but it scared everybody else because they literally <laughs> took her to like a little um a canal how do you mm -hmm. say this yeah canal yeah like a, yeah a, a little canal where like the water irrigation was happening mm -hmm. in the back of the classrooms and then they bent her over and like washed her mouth no. with a toothpaste and soap <laughs> i was like and the way the school is like it was big open doors big mm -hmm. windows mm -hmm. which i love big open spaces mm -hmm. and so you can see outside mm -hmm. so like i remember like we were just in a class and everybody was like trying to see some kids were trying to stand up so they can't see through the window and then the teacher's like everybody sit down and we were terrified but it wasn't mm. the teacher from our class it was from the other class mm. so, because the same grades are divided in two classrooms because we were so many kids so it was the other classroom's teacher so i was like thank god she's not my teacher <laughs> <laughs> no no growing up we we, we got hit I didn't get hit like in school, but yeah, some kid got hit, man. It was it was bad. Then till till they changed it, they uh, outlawed uh, kids being hit. It became illegal. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. So now it's illegal to hit kids. I mean, it still That's happens. Good. It still yeah. happens, but you but know. at least it's a step towards making it better. Yeah, I don't even think it's illegal in Haiti, to be honest. It's very cultural. Mm. no that's our culture too it's just you know now yeah. we're becoming like you said like one step for, toward yeah. an, uh, advancement I don't know what you, what they call this I don't know but we're becoming aware at least that it's an issue so that's a step forward yeah you said you moved to Montreal when you were 19 why did you move when you're 19 you're, you're good there you're fine you're set well there was not really like any future for me Mm -hmm. at the moment like in Haiti I long term I thought that I would go back but mm -hmm. right after high school like the next step I guess was looking for college or well I was looking to go to college but as a person like people want to either get a job or like do something so it's rare that it's not rare but most people who can afford to leave the country will after high school to like go to college in the states or i know some people went to europe some mm. people came here some people didn't go to college but still left the country and like went to get a job work elsewhere for like better opportunities you know mm. so i left to come here to college i went to university of montreal mm -hmm. in winter 2019 winter yeah that was How my was first that? semester 
Oh my God, I was so depressed my first winter. <laughs> I had classes at 8.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. So I would leave my house and it's dark. Mm-hmm. Go to class, spend a whole day at school because after class, I stayed at the library to study. And then when I go home, it's dark. I would literally never see the sun. And even if I was outside during the day, it was gray all the time. I don't know if it's like a question of perspective or if it's a fact, but I feel like that winter was the worst winter ever. Like the winters now are so much better. There's more sun or maybe I'm not depressed anymore, but it was awful. Yeah. I like seeing the snow for like the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. But Did you taste it? So- yes. I tasted <laughs> some very bad snow like behind my, I used to live with my brother behind my brother's apartment. Mm. There was this big pile of snow and my dumb ass was like, I want to taste the snow and it tasted you so bad. You scoop it? Yes. Yo, I girl, did. come on. You don't <laughs> do that, bro. I didn't know. It was so white and it was like a giant pile. So I was like, this is the top snow. It should be clean. It was no. so bad. Okay, I tasted the snow, but when it was falling, from I the did sky, that too. You know, I like opened my mouth and yeah. stood there forever, like, ah. <laughs> You're funny, man. So you had family when you moved here? Yes. My mm. brother lived here. Um, with his wife. Who else? I think that's it. I had friends though. Mm. Well, my there was also my dad's aunt, and then I had a few friends who already lived here, like who moved here from Haiti. So mm. I knew people. Okay, you, like, yeah, you moved here 2019, right? Yeah, 2018, October oh. 2018. Oh, and then pandemic happened. And then pandemic. So I didn't even get to like know Montreal really well. Hmm. Before the pandemic hit. So when the pandemic hit, I didn't even know what to do. But well, I feel like I got to know Montreal after the pandemic. Like now I'm getting to finally enjoy it. Because before I was depressed and then I wasn't depressed, but it was the pandemic. And then now it's like I get to enjoy Montreal. I get to be outside. Yeah. It's like the butterflies on your wall behind you. Exactly. Which is funny because 2021 was definitely I would say like the beginning of my the end of my caterpillar years like mm. the beginning of my transformation and that's the year where everything started opening and I could go outside also I don't know if one led to the other but I'm sure it did yeah do do you think going outside was the key for you to get rid of the depression or do you really suffer from once in a while bouts of depression no i no i already like suffer from depression i went to a psychiatrist one time and he diagnosed me for one time that's not it, did, it wasn't one time but <laughs> he diagnosed me with a uh, major chronic depression hmm. but so i have like depressive episodes for sure hmm. like hard moments i just always know kind of that it's temporary and that it's gonna hmm. get better so sometimes I just let myself be depressed for a minute and I just soak it in and wait for it to pass. But sometimes I'm like, I have to stop myself because I get in the mood where I realize that I don't want to get out of bed. And if I don't get out of bed, I'm never going to leave my bed for like two days. So mm. I push myself. Depends on the episode. but I like that. It's definitely a recurring thing. Being outside helps though. The sun helps a lot. Yeah, 100%. When you were younger, when you were living in uh, Haiti, did you feel that you had it or you just noticed it when you moved to Montreal? No, I just didn't know I was depressed. That's chronic depression. That's what the psychiatrist explained to me that. Hmm. Um, That's chronic depression. Like, you don't even realize that you're depressed. It became, like, a normal part of my state for me. So I was just living life thinking this is the normal way to feel you know, mm. so I, I was definitely depressed. And now looking back, a lot of my behavior, a lot of the things I was feeling, a lot of moments that I was like at my lowest makes sense now looking back. I'm like, I was depressed. I had no clue. But I guess I realized when I became more self-aware of myself mm. in 2020, mm-hmm. I like lived a really traumatic event when I went to visit my family in Haiti. We kind mm. of got attacked. It's a long story. But that's when I went to see the psychiatrist for the PTSD. Hmm. And 
it brought me to self-awareness. Also a lot of meditation, like talking to myself a lot, mm-hmm. closing in on myself. Yeah. you realize a lot of things. Do you want to talk about the attack? Um, sure. Long story short, um, I went to visit my family in December 2020 because I already lived here. It was like the end of the semester. I was so excited to vacation, but I was doing online school. So I go to Haiti and I still had exams. So my first nights of vacation, but not really because I was, I was still doing exams, finishing papers. So the first night that I was free, I was so exhausted, but it was my best friend Cecilie's birthday. So I said, I'm going to go out for my girl still. So I went out. Um, to a restaurant for her birthday, whatever. We get home, it's super early, 10 p.m., and I usually just walk into my house with my keys. But because it's been so unsafe in Haiti, there's been a lot of kidnapping. Hmm. My mom had added, like, another lock to the front door. And that's not a lock that has a key. It's, like, one of those sliding locks, so you have to be on the other side of the door to open. So my key wasn't working, so I had to call her to come open the door for me. So she comes, opens the door for me. We get inside. We're having a little ritual of chit-chatting in the kitchen. And then I go, I'm so tired. I'm going to go to sleep. So as I'm walking through my living room to go to my room to sleep, I see like all these shadows walking towards me. And it was four men with guns like who were inside the house. Um, Because the living room was in the dark, but the kitchen had light. So that's how I could see the shadows, but I didn't know who it was. And yeah, like they broke into our house, like pushed us down, put guns at us. They tried, they want, they were here to kidnap my mom, oh. honestly. So um, they tried to leave. We, we screamed, obviously, but they were, well, the, the person who was pointing their gun at me was really, he was really calm. He was like, don't scream. I tried to take my phone. I don't even know why, because we're in Haiti. There's no 911 number. <laughs> I don't know the number for the police. And it's if X-X-X. I call the police, <laughs> they're, gonna, they're not going to come. Like, they'll be here tomorrow morning. So I had no idea why I was even trying to take my phone. Plus, remember, I don't live in Haiti. So this is a phone that doesn't even have a working SIM card. I don't know what I was doing, but You're I still tried to grab the phone. Yeah. And he was like, don't do that. Don't do that. Super calm. Super weird. Um, so then they were trying to leave with us. So two guys take my mom. So they were six, actually, because two guys take my mom and leave with her. Um, the two first guys left, I guess, to go get the car or something. And then two guys were holding me to leave with me. One guy in front, one guy in the back. And because we, my dad heard a scream, he shot in the air thinking it would scare off whatever was going on in the house, right? Hmm. But he didn't know who it was, that they had guns. So they dragged me in the direction of where the gunshot came from, which is my parents' bedroom, and they were, like, shooting at my dad. So there was, like, the guy in front of me shooting at my dad, the guy next to me pointing the gun at me. And when he removed his gun, I there was a door behind me, and I just escaped to the door behind me. He was holding me by my handbag, and I just let go of the handbag, and caught into the room behind me he was like come here come outside let's go obviously i didn't go outside and they ended up leaving so i went to check on my sister i didn't check on my dad because i heard him scream and i was like if he's laying down on the floor i'm not gonna be able to do anything and i have to check on my sister so i just went to check on my sister and next thing you know my dad is standing up covered in blood everywhere uh, his lips were like falling apart pulling mm. down and he was like where's your mom where did they go running everywhere in the house looking for her leaving trail of blood everywhere and i was like she's not here they left with her you need to go to the hospital this is like the condensed version because there's so many details to the story that it would take forever but mm. essentially i like take him to the hospital and my mom when she got taken into the car, convinced the people that they had the wrong person because they had seen a picture of her, but they didn't know. They weren't sure that it was her in that moment because they didn't have the picture with them. So they were debating between themselves. Is it her? And she was like, it's not me. I'm the cleaning lady of the house. Like you got the wrong person. That's why I was in the kitchen. Stuff like that. Like she made up a whole story. They asked her a lot of questions and she was really smart in that moment of panic to like make up all these lies. And there was too much heat on them. Like my dad shooting, people in the streets seeing them take my mom into the car and shooting at them, stuff like that. So they ended up letting her go not too far from my house. Wow. And she 
rent to a friend's house. So every I didn't know this at the time. I was at the hospital with my dad. And then I got, I called, I was calling everyone because I didn't know what to do. So I mm-hmm. called those family friends and I was like, guys, my mom just got kidnapped. And they were like, no, she's at her house. She's okay. And it was like biggest relief. And everyone was okay. My dad took five bullets, um, two in his legs, two in his arms, and one on his lip. But he got surgery and he was okay. He didn't even lose any teeth and his lip was really busted open. So I'm really grateful. Everything ended okay. Just ended with us leaving Haiti. Well, I love that family. how you said, oh, we got attacked. Me, I was like, oh, maybe, you know, walking down the street, they took the money. No, there's kidnapping and shooting. What the fuck? Sorry, I don't think I set the expectations properly for the story. I was like, what is going on right now? Oh, my God. Oh, man. By the way, props to mom. She's amazing. Yeah, right? She's to amazing. Just, to just say like, oh, by the way, you know, I'm a cleaning lady. And these yeah. idiots... You're like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. let her go. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, she was extremely smart in that moment. She thought super fast, too. I'd be I like, no, just shoot me in the head. I'm good. <laughs> no, just shoot me now. Don't take me. Just leave me here on the sidewalk. Holy crap. So she came home. Uh, you, you guys finally reconvened. Yeah, we didn't go home because it wasn't safe. We just went to friend's house. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we... We convened. We were all really very traumatized. It was a difficult time for my family. And then we, a week later, went to Florida. Actually, we had to go back to the house because we had to do a deposition with the cops. So we had to leave all the blood there for like, I don't remember how long. To me, it felt like days of dry blood in the house, but I don't think it was. That's just how it felt to me. Um we had to leave everything for evidence and then the cops had to come and it was a whole thing. It was a lot. And then a week later we went to Miami and my family moved there. Like my sister, my mom and my dad moved there. I was already living in Montreal. So my sister finished her last year of high school in Miami hmm. and I stayed with them for, I think two weeks in Miami, a week or two. And then I had to move back to go back to Montreal because I have work and school and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was really hard to leave after that and come back here. Did they catch the guys? No. Yeah, I'm just be. I know. I don't I even know think they didn't they're t- trying to catch the guys. Let me tell you, where they broke in, there was a literal handprint because there was a table full of dust in a room that we never go to. They put their hand on the thing. I could see the handprint. Nobody was gonna run it for <laughs> evidence, <laughs> DNA, fingerprints. They wouldn't even find anything. No, they're busy. You know. Yeah, they're busy. Being How's mom and dad? She is, they're both okay. They're very, very, very strong, honestly. Mm. They're like my models of strength, both like physically and emotionally very strong. My mom is okay. Um, She like, she's moving forward, you know. It was really traumatizing and hard, but she's okay, I think. My dad also, he healed physically very fast, to be honest. Like when I was in Miami, in the two weeks after um, the attack, he was jumping. He was like, look at my legs, they work now. And I was like, you need to sit down. <laughs> like Wolverine over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah, very grateful, very grateful. Yeah. Were there nights that you were uh, waking up screaming from nightmares? Um. I don't think I screamed, but I never slept for a long time. That's why I went to the psychiatrist. I couldn't sleep at all. Even when I was sleeping, it always felt like I was half awake, hearing every noise. Mm-hmm. I would wake up, um, how do you say, sursauté in English, like startled? Yeah, startled. Is that the word? Yeah. Startled. I would wake up startled in the middle of the night with my heart beating. Like I would have night sweats nightmares flashbacks even during the day wide awake i would have flashbacks and like see things like see like that moment i saw the shadows coming towards me or like flashback of my dad's lip being busted open because it was i've never seen anything like this in my life Mm -hmm. are you doing now i'm so much so much so much better um it was 
not a long time ago, it was two years ago, I did a lot of healing in 2021. That's when I went to the psychiatrist. He gave me a prescription to help me sleep hmm. and then a prescription for the day and then vitamin D3 for my depression. Um, well, I don't know if it was for my depression. It was a combination of medication to help with my general mental state of like PTSD and depression. Mm-hmm. And it really helped me because before I couldn't sleep at all, I hadn't slept in months. And it was the first time that I was actually sleeping. The medication was knocking me out like black nights. But I wanted to be able to sleep without the medication. So when I think the last time that my prescription finished, I didn't renew it. I just wanted to learn to sleep by myself. Mm. So that was really hard at first. But now I'm at a place where I can sleep. I don't have to think about it too much. You know, I'm happy for you. Yeah. And I'm not taking medication anymore. I still have depressive episodes, but I can deal with it. Like, I know how to handle myself, I guess. Mm -hmm. I talk to myself a lot. Not in a crazy person type of way. But I mean, no, crazy people are the ones who don't talk to themselves. Because Mm. then you're not self-aware, right? (laughs) Yeah. Depression is a curse and a gift for uh, creatives. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That Mm. part. That's how I live life. Right? Like, that's why you you do your uh, as teacher at a time. Do you create, though, when you're depressed? Or do you stop everything? Depends. It's really, really different. That's the thing. It's not the same every time. And that's why sometimes it's harder for me to recognize when I'm getting depressed. Because hmm. sometimes I wonder, am I just on my period? Or <laughs> am I hungry? <laughs> Am I tired or am I depressed? Mm. Um, Sometimes I get depressed in a mode where I only want to crochet. I want to sit in my room and I don't want anybody to talk to me. And I just want to watch TV shows and crochet all day and all night. And I don't want to sleep and I don't want to eat and I don't want to shower. So I'm creating a lot. But it's very antisocial and Mm -hmm. um, I guess close off on myself but sometimes i get depressed where i can't even crochet out. there's like no will to do anything mm. and i just want to lay in my bed and be like huh, part of the bed an extension of the bed <laughs> i completely understand that man yeah. what's your creative process does it comes to you or do you sit down and start you know what i'm going to make this piece today both it depends on what i'm creating so if i'm making a custom order for someone that's like one of my favorite things to do because i like to talk to the person Mm. get to know them a little bit figure out what colors they like what clothing they like what style they like what they're comfortable in what's your insecurity what's the thing you're the most proud of what you like to show off in your body and then i'll make something that's like very specific to that Mm. with all this information i have my little notebook it's written super great ideas on top of it and i'll write down like the color schemes you like the shape of clothing you like the things you like to wear the things you want to hide everything that's relevant and then i'll just kind of sit there and zone out for a minute because i'm visualizing different ways that i could i guess create it sometimes i'll even draw it if i have a hard time seeing it too clearly in my head but most of the time i draw for other people to see because when i explain my vision it's very in my head. But even when I draw it, it's not always exactly the way. It's always better in real life. That's all. Yeah. yeah. Also, they wouldn't be able to really see your vision. You're the artist. Yeah. You that's know? true. Sometimes I wish I could project my brain onto a screen. No, like, this good. is what I see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. um, the other way, I guess, my other creative process is sometimes I'm just in the metro and I just really want something. I'm like, I really want to make a dress that looks like this. And then I see it in my head. But most of my creating pro- creative process is trial and error in my head first. Like I'll visualize how it is. I'll visualize if I'm making it, the stitches, the count. If I do this, it's going to look like that. So if I don't want it to look like that, I have to do this instead. And I do all of this in my brain first. Mm. and And then... I kind of just pick up the yarn and the hook and I start crocheting mm. and it happens. 
So often, well, it happened a few times that my sister was like, oh my God, how did you think of this? Or how did you do this the first time? And I was like, I didn't do this the first time. I did it so many times in my head before. (laughs) This is the first time I'm doing it in real life, you know? That's beautiful, man. I I love that, like visualization. Yeah. Because I I do that when I play basketball. Before I play basketball, I I run plays in my head. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when it happens, you're like you're ready to go. And I think yeah. there was a study about visualization that that there's it's more powerful to actually visualize the pra- the act other than actually doing it. Really? Yeah, I I forgot that's the study, crazy. but but yeah, I've heard of this before. I mean, I believe that because that's how I work. I visualize a lot. Like, mm. I'll just sit here. I close my eyes sometimes when I really need to focus. And I'm like, <laughs> how do I do this? How long does it take to make a piece? Let's say, I don't know, a top, a basic top. How long does it take? Okay, a basic top, like two hours maybe, depending mm. on the top. A big piece or like a more complex top could take two weeks or a month. Mm. It really, really depends on what I'm making. I like that black um, and white piece that you made, uh, the dress. Ooh, ooh, it's one beautiful. of my favorites. Oh that's my definitely God. my favorite black dress. That's classy. Thank you. I love it. That's what I was going for. That one took me two weeks to make. Two weeks for that? I'll be like 100 years for me. Yeah, it took me two weeks. And keep in mind that I do work and go to school. So it was like two weeks of my free time. But also, I'm addicted. Like, every minute I get, I will crochet. But for that dress, I had no idea what I was doing. I just know that I wanted to do a black and white photo shoot. Mm. Uh, the photographer had approached me, um, Kiro's Images, that's his page. Mm. And he's really, really, really great. He's from Toronto. And he had approached me about doing a black and white photo shoot. And I was super, super down. So I wanted to make something in black and white. I had no idea what I was going to make. I got the yarn and I just started making it. Mm. And the rest is history, I guess. But Yeah. I also like that orange one, the one with with the mask. Mm-hmm. That's Thank a little you. bit freaky, but cool. Yeah. It's weird. weird. Definitely one of the weirder ones. I love mm. weird things. Um, the one, the idea behind that was kind of like a jailbreak outfit. Okay. You know? So the concept of like the photo shoot I did with this was free your mind, free your life. And it's kind of like a a jailbird outfit. It's like a sexy getting out of jail, Mm -hmm. coming for everybody type of piece. I don't even know where a person would wear it to. I had zero person that in mind as I was making it. I was just making it, you know? Mm, Yeah, I understand. It's definitely one of the pieces that people like the most. Yeah, because it's, Weird and freaky. I love it. Yeah. You know, very revealing, by the way. Uh huh. Very true. It's, and I had a, an expo and a model wore it, and she told me she thought she would feel more naked in it. But because there's so much coverage, well, it's big holes, but it covers your whole body. So mm. it gives the feeling that you're covered, even though when you look at it, you're very much naked ish, you know? Oh, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's like revealing, revealing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I, I love the color. I love the shape of it. And again, the mask is just freaky, but it's nice, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like it would be perfect for make... like a music video, you know? Yeah, for sure. I want to make more masks because I love the masks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you make a piece for like customized or whatever, is it more expensive to make for plus sizes? It takes more yarn and also more time. So I guess in a way it would be more expensive, but I don't charge a lot more for plus sizes mm. because I it feels unfair to me that like you have to pay more for clothing, but at the same time, it is more work and more yarn. Mm-hmm. So I really go case by case depending on what I'm making. Like on my website, you'll see that some of the pieces, when you change the size, the price doesn't change. It's the mm-hmm. same. Okay. But some other pieces, like big things, it has to be more expensive because I'm the one making it with my hands. 
Mm-hmm. I asked that because I used to I had a guest and she owns a company that sells uh I guess like yoga pants, exercise pants and she mm-hmm. said like if we make plus sizes uh pants, we have to charge more. Yeah. Cuz there's more It material. is more expensive. It's more material, and more work for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Where do you get your ideas, your crazy mind, your beautiful crazy mind? That's I don't know. It's really just random. It depends everywhere. I get my ideas everywhere. Like I will wear something and then wish it was different and then think I can make that and crochet. I'll see an outfit at the mall and I'll think this is so basic. I can make that and crochet <laughs> so much better. <laughs> or sometimes I just look for something else to crochet. So I'm sitting in the metro, like I just finished my project. My life is over. What am I going to do now? <laughs> Well, that doesn't happen anymore because now I always have orders. But before, when I was just creating and starting, I had a lot of moments where I'm like, what do I do? I finished my project. And so I would browse through my brain and just try things. <laughs> what if I do something like this? Sometimes I see the yard first. Mm. It's happened that I go shopping and then I see a yard. <sighs> this yarn could do this. Mm. So, Yeah. When you're making a piece, Mm-hmm. Do you listen to music or do you just sit quietly? Oh, I watch TV shows. I am a huge TV show addict. I have seen everything. If you know something that I haven't seen, please refer me because I will binge watch it in two days while crocheting. <laughs> I am running out of things to watch. I've seen The Office like 10 times right now. Mm. Have you seen The Wire? No, actually. What is it about? Well, it's about Baltimore and it's about the police and they show the the relationship with the the streets and the drug addicts and then the connection to a politician. It's one of the greatest show of all time. Really? Because it's well written. Mm. It was so What is it, it on? It was HBO. I'm sure it's still on HBO. So is HBO on Amazon Prime? I don't know. I'll no. look it up. HBO's the Wire. HBO. Yeah, The Wire. Oh, okay. So it was so, it was so accurate that the city of Baltimore had to uh, file a lawsuit against the writers mm-hmm. to stop it because it no was way. too accurate. Yeah, because they feel like, oh, you're putting our city into a bad light, but it was accurate. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. I am going to watch it. Yeah, it's one of the great... It's like, I love the show, the show. And most of the actors are actually gangsters, like real-life gangsters. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they, so very they, real. Yeah, very real, very real. It's one of those, like, you know how now it's like, oh, uh, black shows. They mm-hmm. were this show. Like, majority of the, the lead actors were people of color. Mm-hmm. So they're like way ahead than, you know, now the shows that are being, you know, pandered towards like people of color, you know. Okay, it's an old good. show? Yeah, it's an old show. It's, uh, I believe it's 2000s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is there a lot of seasons? Yeah. I believe okay, it's good. five seasons. All right. That's good enough. I don't like watching shows that has like one or two seasons because I'll watch it too fast and then I'm back to square one. But you have to savor it. No, I have to binge watch it while I crochet. <laughs> it's background noise. Not background because I pay attention. But Yeah, I get it. But Sometimes I crochet outside too. Yeah, then I was going to ask sit. you, do you bring your piece to, like, let's say you're going to school or you're going to work while you're in the metro? Depends on what I'm making. Smaller pieces that I can keep in a plastic bag. Um, I have these recyclable, well-scented plastic bags. <laughs> um, well, maybe the material is not plastic. Well, it feels like plastic. I don't know. Anyways, these bags that I put the things that I crochet in when they're small enough to be taken outside because I don't want to, even though I'm going to wash it, I don't want the yarn to like be everywhere, you know? Mm. So if it can fit in the bag, and I can, then I can bring it. But if it's a big piece... I won't bring it. Or if it's like white and I don't want it to Look risk the, it yeah. getting stained. Yeah. Depends on what I'm making. But if I can, I'll crochet everywhere. I crochet in the metro. I go to the park. I sit outside. I crochet. Crochet at work on my break. That's funny. I want to ask you. 
Do you think creativity involves your heart and soul into your work? Or is it more letting your mind flow freely to witness the surprising results of your actions? I feel like it's a little bit of both. Because I definitely let my mind flow. It's a, I need both. Because my heart is where the idea, the general ideas come from, you know? The hmm. color pattern. Um, even when I'm creating for somebody else, it comes from my heart wanting to make something specific to that person that they're going to love mm-hmm. to create that source of joy and then and that feeling of comfort. And like, I look good in this. So that's definitely the creative side is from my heart. But getting the concept and making it come to life is definitely where I think it's letting my brain flow and like my I, my ideas and like my... um. How do I say this? Because I count a lot in my head when I'm crocheting. Mm. I visualize like if I do 10 stitches and I want it to be this length and it's this and then I have to get my calculator out and multiply it. <laughs> so that's why I say it's both. Mm. Brain and heart. Beautiful. Have you ever been faced with negative feedback? Um, For sure. It hasn't really stuck with me enough for me to remember and tell you about it because I guess in a way I'm stubborn I'm very fixed on my idea what I want to create what I love and what I want to put out there so sometimes people will tell me things and I'm like that's your opinion good for you I'm still do me and I don't get mad or take it personally and I hope they don't get mad or take it personally that I'm not changing my ways for their opinion or their thoughts. You mm-hmm. know? But do you ever sometimes think of it? Maybe they're right. Maybe I should, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Like I got a lot of feedback about not having more masculine clothing. And I, I understand because people who wear masculine looking clothing or like people who identify as men and stuff want to feel like they have a choice everywhere and that they can wear something and crochet. So I definitely have some ideas of things that I can make for, I guess, men, you could say. But I haven't gotten there yet because creating things for feminine energy comes more naturally to me because mm-hmm. I have very feminine energy. So that's kind of my vision. I like making people feel very like sexy and comfortable. But, you know... Masculinity can be sexy too, so I'm working on that. Hmm. It's hard to be a business owner. What keeps you going? I have a long-term goal. Like I have, I project myself so far into the future that I feel like now is just baby steps, building the base. Hmm. So whenever there's an obstacle or something, I don't let it stop me because I know I'm going so much further that I'm just going to walk around it. You, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. even when there's an obstacle in front of me, I can still see my end goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm not gonna be like, I'm just gonna sit here because it's hard. I won't be like, I need to go where I'm going. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, <laughs> what is a blind confidence. Yeah, it is. And sometimes I wonder, like, am I crazy? What are you doing? Well, I'm like putting yeah. my all into what I want to Well, you achieve. are crazy. <laughs> but you have to be crazy to reach that dream. Yeah, true, true, right? true. Or else... Craziness is the gift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but definitely. Have you thought of creating a class to teach what you do? Yes. I actually made a post on Instagram about looking for people who want to learn to crochet. Mm. Because I would love to meet people who are just beginning, who I could give some knowledge to and then eventually if they're into it have them crochet with me Hmm. because it's starting to be a lot of orders to the point that i can't make it all by myself wow so it kind of slows down the process oh thank you but it kind of slows down the process and it leaves me less space for my creative projects Mm. well it's creative when i'm making custom orders but it's not the same as when I'm doing something just completely for me because I want to out of my brain, which is how it started at first. And that's what got people interested in getting custom orders. So I would love to have, again, more time to create freely. 
mm-hmm. and have other people recreate the things I've already, you know? Yeah. But you're still working full time. Yeah. Do you see a future of I, you just doing crochet full uh, full time? Yes, we're getting there. I am getting to the point where I'm wondering if I should take less hours at my job. Hmm. Because if I have the option between working at the shelter full time and doing crochet full time, I always want to crochet full time all the time, every day. The only mm. thing stopping me is arthritis. <laughs> But <laughs> honestly, I would crochet forever. So that, that's what I'm leaning towards right now. Probably mm. in the summer, I'll see if I can get myself more crochet hours. But already I work four days a week and then I have three days off. So in those three days off is when I crochet. Crochet, crochet, crochet. Do you okay. do other things though? That is fun. Like other um, art? No, not necessarily. Like, do you, I don't know, hobbies? Well, yeah. Yeah, all my, I guess all my hobbies are art. But I paint. Wait. Let me see. Let me see. That's beautiful. I love the colors. Thank you. I love the lines. I love the eyes. Freaky. It's like two different separate canvases. So, like, mm. you can trace them. But Very it's not done. And then mm. I made this also. That's oh, I like me. that one. That's cool. Is that joint? Thank you. Yes. Is that you? It's not my mom. <laughs> It's not me in real life. It's a painting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's This beautiful. This is the other one that I made. Okay, I like that one too. Very calming. Yeah. But when I, moved, when I lived with the roommates before, mm. I was going to put it in the living room. And my one of my roommates was like, "This is this feels so sad to me. Like it makes me really sad." I, like, I see the blue. This is very calming blue. and relaxing. Because of the blue, she's probably reflecting that says, "Okay, it's blue means sad." Uh, plus, it, plus it's a uh, it's sunset, right? Yeah. So it means the ending. Mm. Or maybe it's sunrise. Yeah, it looks like sunset no. to me. <laughs> It's sunset. <laughs> Can't be sunrise, but you know, blue's my happy color, though. Hey, hey, your hair is blue right now. Yeah, it is. You know? It's the color of the ocean. I have different shades of blue. That's literally what I asked mm-hmm. Lydia for. That's who did my hair. And I said, "Can I have the ocean?" And she's the greatest. She did not manage my hair one bit. This is one of my favorite questions to black girls: their relationship mm-hmm. with their hair. It seems like you have good relationship with your hair. I do. I love my hair. It's definitely a big part of my the expression of my identity. Um, mm. When I was younger, I went through that phase of having straight hair, of course. Like at my first communion, that was the first time that we straightened my hair with a very hot flat iron. Oh, my God. And it was the first time I had straight hair, and it was great, and I loved it. And when I was a teenager, I would straight, straighten my hair on and off. Um, and I really burned my hair. Like, my hair was straight. It was super short because it was always breaking, super fragile. And then mm. I cut it and then let it grow. I had super, super short haircut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I let it grow, and I've had my afro. Well, I had my afro ever since. Like, I never really straighten my hair for a long time after that because mm. every time I would flat iron it it would burn mm-hmm. and then I would have to cut it and start over so at some point I just stopped and I rocked my afro for a few years but I always wanted locks mm. and I locked my hair and to me this feels like the natural state of my hair when it's locked more than when it's an afro because it's still styled I'm still combing it out putting all this gel and like you know mm-hmm. I saw one of your one of your posts that says the end of my Afro era. Is that when yeah. you transitioned? I got to... my locks. Mm. Exactly. That's when it was June 16 last year. Mm-hmm. And you're so never gonna go June back 15th. to Afro. Never. I will. No, the locks are staying forever. They're beautiful. I like it. Actually, Thank when you. I was watching your story yesterday. And they, she colored her, your hair blonde or bleached. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, it's cool too. 
But then you turn color it to blue. I'm like, yo, that's better. I like that one better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's funny that you say that because a lot of people said the opposite. They were like, oh my god, you were blonde, and I love the blonde. You should have stayed blonde a little bit. I love the blonde too, but I wanted to. Oh yeah, color is better. Color is so much better. You know. Listen, we're getting there. I think we're there, actually. Yeah. Before we close out, you kind of mm-hmm. mentioned this, but I want to close it with this question. What do you wish to accomplish with ASAAT? Huh. I have so many plans. I could not begin to explain. So I will say this very dramatic sentence. World <laughs> domination. I want to bring crochet everywhere, like, a new era of crochet. I've seen a, I'm seeing a lot of like crochet artists online doing kind of like modern things. That's what I love, love, love. So mm. definitely, I want to bring that worldwide. Meet more people who crochet. You know, create a community for mm. crochet. Eliminate fast fashion. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, fast fashion is terrible. Yeah, isn't it? Plus, it all gets dumped after and burnt down, like polluting our earth. Stop it. Stop it, people. Yeah. Anyways, Victoria, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was really, really fun. Thank you. Have a good evening. Have a good evening. Bye. Bye. Again, Victoria, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for listening. This is Erin Deliosa for An Immigrant's Life. I'll see you guys later.